Thank you, Atkins family. Our Zach one, two, all good. Children, let me talk to you for a second. We're going to do a number of things now that involves you, but I want to talk to you kids, so eyes on me. It's very important for me this morning that you understand you are leading this service. If you're new to Pathway or if you're a visitor with us today, today's not a children's service in that we watch our kids do stuff because we're cute. We recognise that God is calling us to be like them. Kids, we are supposed to be like you as adults. And, and, and therefore, you have a place and a role to lead us, to show us the way in many things. And that's why you're involved today. That's why you're involved behind the scenes, you're involved in front of the scenes, and you're going to be involved in a lot of what we're going to do today. I want to say thank you to you children for your efforts, for your faith in God, for your boldness and your courage to do the various things that you are going to do today. And if you're not involved today, next time, please talk to us after this one and say, yes, I want to be involved in this because I know that I have a place here and this is my church. I am part of this church every bit as much as anyone else. And so we are thrilled to do what we are doing today. What are we going to do? Firstly, um, we're going to read the Bible as we go throughout the message, which is a fairly short message today, but the kids are going to teach us a few things along, along the way. But before then, we have a little short video clip that one of our, our students put together on the Bible reading. It's called a stop motion. Does anyone know what a stop motion is? I didn't really know. I kept saying stop gap. But it's not a stop gap. It's a stop motion. It's a little video that you make out of Lego, and we'll, we'll show it now. And then um, maybe you can pick what the Bible reading is from that. Hey, wait for me. Hey, wait for me. Jesus I want to hear Jesus too. In the name of God, your hands are healed. Oh, my hands are healed. I'm amazing. Hallelujah. Thank, Thank you, Jesus. Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in the desolate place. You give them something to eat. We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go buy food for all five thousand people. Have them sit down in groups of about fifty each. Here, hand this out to all the people. They will be fed. Wow, it just keeps breaking up. I can't believe it. Everyone's getting full. That's amazing. There's still 12 baskets of fish and bread left over. And everybody's full. Okay, wow. How cool was that? Um, Peter Paul, let's give him a, let's just give him a cut. That's so good. Oh. So just, just for record, that's all built by him. And, and uh, obviously, I heard a, a Mr. Cooper voice in there as well. And, and just fantastic. Well done. So yeah, uh, please pass that on to him. Fantastic. Okay, we are in our series on a meal with Jesus. We're keeping with the series today. Every week, we look at a meal that Jesus had with some people and that meal tells us something very specific about who he is and what he came to do. Today's meal is 
this one. Edith, can you come on up and I'm going to get this ready for you. Edith is going to read to us the parts of the story and as she reads, I will explain them to us. The first bit we're not going to do much explaining, but towards the end we will do a little bit more explaining. All right, Edith, go for it. Luke chapter 9, verse 7 to 20. Now Herod the teacher heard all about what was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying that John had risen from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, still others that one of the prophets from long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John, then who is this I hear such rings about? He tried to see him. Fantastic. Thanks, Edith. We'll, we'll pause there. So, so, so if we go just back one slide, do you get the question? Sorry, the next one. The question that's asked there is King Herod. He's a bad king. He's a bad guy. He asks a question. He says, who then is this that I hear such things about? This King Herod, his question is, who is Jesus? Maybe you're new to church today, maybe you're visiting, maybe this is a question you've been wrestling with for a long time, there's a lot of answers to that, but it's a very important question. I'll just put it up there for now. Who is Jesus? Okay, that's the question this evil King Herod is asking. Hold on to that question for me, would you? And then we'll read the next bit. Thanks, Edith. Apostle returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew themselves to a town called Beth Saida, but the crowd, the crowd learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding village and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. Thanks, Edith. So, I'll just summarise that for us. Jesus and his followers, they're called disciples, they go to a place that is very lonely, very desolate. It's very far away from any shops, all right? There is nothing there. Have you ever been to a very far away place? Kids, hand up. Has anyone been in a desert before? I haven't either. I, look, I live in Tasmania, but that's about as desolate as I've... <laughs> okay, you've been in a desert before. You know how far away from things you are. There's no food, hey? There's no shops, no... Well, the food mum and dad took because they were well prepared, but no shops, okay? That's where these people are, next to a lakeside, and it's getting late in the day. And there are a lot of people there. In fact, we'll find out in the next bit that Edith read, there were 5,000 men, so you would add a lot of women and a lot of children to that. There were probably 10, maybe 12,000 people. That's how popular Jesus was. And they're in this sort of desolate place, far away from food. And Jesus' followers said, well, it's getting late. We've got thousands of people here. They need to go home. We've got to find something to eat. They've got to find something to eat. That's their, that's their thing that they bring to Jesus. And then Jesus says to them this. Thank you, Edith. You give them something to eat. They answer, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. Thank you, Edith. Here's Jesus' thing. He, he takes five loaves of bread... Let me take five chips here from our Lego creations. And those kids who made Lego creations of food items, thank you so much. They look fantastic. Adults, do come and have a look here after the service just on what we've got. Let's say Jesus took five loaves of bread, even though these are just chips, and two fish. 
let's pretend these two white ones are two pieces of fish. And he said to his disciples, you feed them. <laughs> you, feed, you give them something to eat, is what he said. Now, I'm a little bit ahead of myself here. You give them something to eat. They answered, we have only, yeah, five loaves of bread and two fish. But there were about 5,000 men there, 10,000 people. What an impossible task. And here's the question that you have to ask yourself, that I have to ask myself. Why did Jesus ask these people to do this? He knows it's an impossible task. You know it's an impossible task. They know it's an impossible task. They see over 10,000 people and they have five pieces of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, you feed them. Why? Why on earth would he ask them to do such a seemingly ridiculous thing? That's the question. Okay? Let's read the next bit. Thank you, Edith. But he, but he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 58. The disciples did so. Everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up at heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They ate and were satisfied. The disciples picked up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. So there's the story. You saw it in Peter's stop motion. You hear it here. Jesus had them sit down in groups of 50 each. This incredible miracle happens where all these people are fed and they pick up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces. My question to you was, why did Jesus perform this miracle? What's the point of this meal? Because it's a meal, right? These 10,000 people are gathering together around a very significant meal. What's his point? What did he want to teach them through this meal? There's more than one reason, more than one thing he wanted to teach, but here's the big thing for today. <laughs> Jesus wants to teach them and us something about hope. The point of this meal is hope. Can I ask you, what do you think hope is? How would you define what hope is? is to you. I don't know what you're thinking, but I've asked a few students last week in our Pathway Kids Ministry to maybe think for me this week about what they think hope actually is. They've gone away, they've done a bit of thinking, so can I invite you, if any of those students are here, can you come on up? I know there are a few, just come on up quickly and join me here and just share with, with the church what you came up with about what hope is. This is our master class in Pathway Kids. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry, Edith, you're still... Edith, you can grab a seat. We're going to get back to finish the reading very soon. <laughs> Thank you, Edith. You did a great job. All right, here we are. I'm going to go one by one. Are you guys all all right? You got something that you want to tell us about what you thought about what hope is? Yes, Gabe says he's desperately keen. I loved your answers last week. <laughs> Do you want to go first? Okay. What's hope? Um, well, hope makes everything not pointless. Sure. I, I don't know. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, um, that's it. Max, I, I quite like Gabe's answer. I think hope does not make everything pointless. It's a very powerful answer, very deep answer. Thank you. Yes. There's no right or wrong, guys. You just share what you think, hey? Yeah, Jack. Uh, I think hope is to have faith in what is to come. Sure. Faith in what is to come. Saying there's something to come, don't know yet what it is, but I kind of believe that it's coming. And then that's faith, hope, sort of connected. Thank you, Jack. You're reading Lucy's answer for us, Georgia. Go for it. Um, hope is a belief in someone or something. For example, I have hope that God will keep us safe tonight. It's the same as I believe that God will keep us safe tonight. In, to hope in God will change your life because you believe something good will happen. And why wouldn't God let something good happen? But remember, just because you believe or hope in something doesn't mean it will happen. God may have better plans and you can always rely on him. How good is that? How good is that? Lucy, well done. Lucy's not up here, but very, very cool answer. All right, girls, I'm going to go you one after the other. We're going to hear your answers and then I'll summarise. Let's go. Hope is a feeling, a feeling of expectation and desire for something to happen. Hope is also a feeling of trust or appreciation for something or someone. Mm. How good. Very good. You're ready to go? <laughs> go for it. Um, hope is something that even in all the bad times and stuff, you can look forward to something that's going to happen in the future. Mm. I love what you're saying about bad times. It's in bad times where hope matters, right? If you're in a bad time, you don't have hope, what do you have? How do you deal with your bad time? How do you cope with your bad time? Very powerful. All right, last one. Let's go. All right. Hope gives us comfort. We hope that a really sick person to get better. We put hope in Jesus that he will come. Yeah, fantastic. Comfort. That idea of comfort, that hope gives us comfort, makes us feel better when, again, when times are bad. Guys, thank you so much. Can we give them a round of applause? That really cool stuff. You guys can grab your seats. Thank you so much for your help. <laughs> Got it. How good are our kids, hey? And our kids are more than capable of teaching us, showing us. Because everything they said comes together in, in what some of the smartest of scholarship would tell us about hope in, in this little statement. Let me read it to you. you know, God made us hoping creatures. Creatures who live very much in their own future. Creatures whose nature it is to look forward, to get excited about good things that we foresee and to draw joy and strength to cope with the present from our expectations of future fulfilment and delight. I know many of you, many of you I don't know, but I know that the only reason that why you might want to get up in the morning, get out of bed, face the day, is because you have hope. There's nothing in what you see in front of you on this day and in this moment that would make you go, today is maybe even worth living, but because you have hope. Because you know that there is a future that you live in. You can get up. And you can move forward. That's what our kids are saying to us. That's what J.I. Packer is saying to us. That's what Jesus is saying to us. It's what Jesus said when he fed the 5,000 with this meal. It's a meal of hope. But you might say, I don't get it. I don't get how this meal shows us hope. 
You haven't quite drawn the connection for me. Let me do so now, and then we'll wrap up. How does this feeding of the 5,000 show us hope? Well, it all has to do with promise. Promises that God has made. I want to show you the promises that God has made, how he's already fulfilled some of it, and how he's going to continue to finish it later on. So I need to do a bit of history with you, and I'm going to make it hopefully fun and interactive. Here's the promise. Can I have some volunteers? I need maybe uh, two volunteers. Yes, please, you can come and help me. I'm going to stand right here holding this end of this tape. Actually, no, can you stand here holding this end of the tape measure for me? Thank you. And Marty, can you come with me? We're going to walk this way. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Ooh, we're going to go a long way. Keep going. Okay, we need to get to number 14. 13? 14. Here's 14. Where Jasmine is, let's pretend Jasmine is where Jesus is when he does the feeding of the 5,000. That's the moment in history that Jasmine is standing in. Where Marty and I are, we're about 1,400 years before, sorry, my back towards someone here, we're about 1,400 years before Jesus. This is how far back Marty and I are. And 1,400 years before Jesus, there's a large crowd of people whom he feeds in a desert. He wasn't a human on earth yet, but God from heaven feeds them. It's part of the Exodus. If you're new to church, sorry if I'm confusing you. If you know some of the Bible story, you know where I'm at in the story. He feeds them bread in a desert. And circumstances aren't good. They don't want to live in a desert. They want to live in a home that God's promised them. And that bread reminds them that their home is coming. They have a leader whose name is Moses. And God says to them, I'm going to send you someone, a, a, a phenomenal person who's going to give you hope, give you an ultimate home, feed you, make you feel satisfied physically, spiritually, fill up everything in your life that is wrong and broken and not right. I'm going to send you a person who's going to give you that meal, physically, spiritually. And then we fast forward through history. This is 1,400 years before Jesus. Marty, you wind him up for us. Slowly, just hold on to him. Jasmine, thank you. Sorry, go back a little bit. Okay, 700 years before Jesus. God, again, speaks to his people. And he makes this promise again. We read in a place in the Bible called Isaiah this. Anna's going to read that for us. So Anna, if you can get ready and read these verses for us. It's on the lectern, huh?
rich food for old people, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meat and the finest of wines. On this mountain he will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Well done. Thank you, Anna. Folks, can you see what God promises there in that reading as you look at it on the screen? God will prepare a rich food for all peoples, a banquet of wine, the best of meats. He will swallow up death forever. He will wipe away the tears from all faces. I will satisfy you. That's the promise. 700 years ago. And then we move on. Other way, Marty. Other way. Wind it the other way. Here we go. Keep winding. Keep winding. Keep winding. Keep winding. Keep winding. All right. Thank you very much. Jasmine, Marty, you guys can grab your seats. Thanks for your help. Here is Jesus. Finally, after all that history, and he stands and on this mountain... He is. He does a meal that feeds God's people again in a desolate place. And a little later after this meal, one of his followers, a man called Peter, makes this confession. Edith, can you come on up? You've got to read that last verse for us. When Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him. He asked them, Who do the crowd say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others say that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Edith, well done. You can grab a seat. You're all done for the day. <laughs> crowd, did you get... Peter's confession there after the 5,000. The question of the beginning, who is Jesus? Peter's confession, you are God's Messiah. You are the one who was promised 1,400 years ago. You are the one who 700 years from there was promised that you will put on a banquet of aged wine and fine foods. You are the one who will swallow up death. You are the one who will wipe away the tears from our eyes. You are the one who will satisfy us. You are the one in whom we have hoped from so long ago, who one day will come and who will bring and will do for us what only God can do. Eventually Jesus dies on the cross. He forgives human sins so that if you believe in him, you're filled with his spirit and thus you are satisfied. But you say to me, rightly, I still cry. I still struggle. There's still death. There's still mourning. There's still crying. 
there's still pain. It's true. You know why that is? It's because Jesus isn't finished. <laughs> not finished. He's not finished. Yes, the work started in full glory when Jesus is raised from the dead. We sung about that. When, when God fills you with his spirit, already now, you know God if you believe in him. You're filled with him. But you know it's not finished until a time in the future when Jesus will return, of which we read this. Jesus is saying, right at the end of the Bible, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. You know, the Bible paints this picture that right at the end of history, you know what heaven is going to be like? We're going to cover that in the, later on in the series. But it is a meal and it is a feast. A place where the final satisfaction, no more death, no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain is going to become as real to you as everything is around you that you see here today. That is the hope in which you and I live. Yes, we already can taste it. Yes, spiritually we know it. But it's not done. It's not here yet. And until then, what do we have? I'll tell you what we have. Last illustration for the morning and then we finish. We have a choc chip. Donna, can you please go with Marty around? All the kids, you may help yourself to a choc chip. A COVID-friendly distributed choc chip. We'll just do the kids, adults, no choc chips for you. All right, maybe while Marty goes around, I'll finish off for us. You know what that choc chip is, kids? When you get a choc chip, choc chip is not much. But what do you think of when you eat a choc chip? Just yell it out. Yumminess? You think biscuits that have choc chips in it. What else? Cake. You think cake that is loaded with choc chips. Yes, ice cream with, oh man, that's good, ice cream with choc chips in it. Right after the service, there is some choc chip cupcakes that you can help yourself to. Now, I'm not giving you the choc chip cupcakes here. You can have it afterwards. My point in the illustration for you is this. That choc chip is supposed to make you think of the real thing. The cupcake, the ice cream, the biggie, the thing that it is actually a part of and what it does that it gives you hope that it exists and that it is out there, and you're going to eat it straight after the service. Do you know what this meal that Jesus did with these 5,000 people are supposed to be? A choc chip. It's supposed to say to them, you know, the real messianic banquet at the end of days when Jesus will return, it's real. You can taste it now, but just a little bit of it. The big thing's coming, guys. It's not here yet, but it is coming. And so here's the encouragement to you today. Who is Jesus? If you don't know Jesus at all, your life may lack hope. There's no choc chips. Can I invite you today to at least talk to me after the service or to talk to a person who knows Jesus and let them share with you how he gives them hope and how that hope that he gives changes everything for them. Maybe you do know Jesus, but you're struggling. 
There's a lot of tears, a lot of wiping of tears and mourning and crying and pain because life goes up and down. May Jesus give you another chop chip, right? Every time you eat, every time you eat with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, let the food you eat and the fellowship you share remind you of the hope that you do have from him whom you have welcomed in your life and accepted as your Lord and Saviour. Our meals should remind us that we have hope. There is a future in which we can live already now, knowing that it's coming, and it should make all the difference every single day of our lives. Let me pray for us, and then we'll um, sing our last song. Father, thank you that we have hope. (laughs) Thank you for the precious thing that it is. I pray for the person here today who does not have it, but maybe that's connected because they haven't quite thought about who Jesus is or even heard that you give hope, such solid hope. Father, I pray that there be not a single person in this building who lacks that hope. Father, for those who may be here who do know that hope, but maybe it's a little bit faint, a little bit distant, forgotten, will you renew it? Will you give a good chuck chip today or this week that we just are reminded that no matter how bad life is, how dark, how confusing, how disappointing, how hurtful, how painful, we do have hope. A better future is coming and we know it. I pray that we will be reminded of that again and again as we eat and we drink to hope in your kingdom. We ask and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Carla. Over to you.